Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. I'm so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, Music Masters Collective hosts different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Bill Frizzell, Kurt Rosenwinkel, Julian Lodge, Mark Ribot, Wayne Krantz, Oteil Burbridge, the Milk Carton Kids, and so many more. At an event like Alternative Guitar Summit Camp happening this August, you can expect in-depth workshops with guitar masters, once-in-a-lifetime performances, the opportunity to play alongside your favorite musicians, and a lot of fun. You'll leave this event packed full of wisdom and with a whole community of musicians to create with. This all-inclusive week in the Catskills Mountains of Upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available, but spots are extremely limited. So visit www.alternativeguitarsummitcamp.com backslash inside to learn more. Greetings and welcome back to Inside the Musician's Brain. I'm your host, Chris Pandolfi, from the infamous String Dusters. This is episode 26, and my guest a little later today is the amazing Karina Reichman. She's been playing bass in Marco Benevento's band for a few years now, but she's striking out on her own. She's got some incredible, really cool, really creative music that's hitting the airwaves recently. And we had a really fun interview. I think I laughed more in this interview than any previous one that I've had here on the podcast. We had a lot of fun getting to know each other. And Karina will be appearing with the String Dusters at Red Rocks on Thursday, May 26th, along with the California Honey Drops. So I bet you there's going to be some collaboration happening that night. Really looking forward to that. And just excited to help spread the word about this amazing new artist. A quick heads up that I'm going to be running a little podcast-centric contest next week between April 25th and 29th. All you need to do to enter is leave me a review over at Apple Podcasts. And if you do, you're entered to win some really cool stuff, including a bunch of great music and a shout-out right here on the podcast. So for more details, stay tuned to my Instagram. That's at tradplus. T-R-A-D-P-L-U-S. And I'll be picking the winner on Saturday, April 30th. A quick shout out to my sponsors. So lucky to have some 
really killer sponsors helping me get the podcast out there this season. And the first of those is Artist Works. Artist Works is an amazing online music teaching platform for players of all levels. And they've got some really, really tremendous world class teachers who cover a range of instruments, a range of genres. And if you're a bluegrass player, they've really got the market cornered on that genre for sure with some some really, really heavy teachers, including Tony Trishka, Noam Pekelny, Brian Sutton, Chris Eldridge, Sierra Hull, the list goes on and on. And when you sign up for ArtistWorks, you immediately get access to all this amazing pre-recorded lesson content. And there is, of course, a, a lot of great intel there, but I think the coolest thing they have going on is that you get to interact directly with your teacher through their video exchange platform. So you're working on some music, you film yourself playing whatever it is you're working on, you send that video in and you get a video back from your teacher with customized critiques that are specific to your playing. And that's just a really great way to help you learn, to help you understand what your deficiencies are, how you can improve on them, and how you can become a better musician. So if you're a really experienced player, if you're just getting into it, check out Artist Works, and they will help you up your musical game. My other sponsor this season is Orvis. And if you've listened to the podcast or if you follow me on social media, you know that I am a very passionate fly fisherman and conservationist. And I have been a fan of Orvis long before I teamed up with them. So it was just so cool to be able to bring them on board this year and help spread the word about this amazing brand. Of course, they make incredible fly rods, reels, anything in the fly fishing world that you could possibly imagine. Orvis has got it going on, but they also cover a range of other outdoor activities. So it's it's really not just fishing. And they also have an amazing amount of informational material on their website. If you're trying to learn to be a better angler, everything from the simple stuff, fly tying, casting, to much more nuanced aspects of the game. But I think the thing that I love most about Orvis is their commitment to conservation work, which is so, so critical these days. So if you're an outdoorsman in any capacity, you really need to be thinking about how we can preserve the resources, the natural resources that are out there. And Orvis is helping that mission in a major way. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of this brand. I love the Helios fly rods. I really have never cast a better rod than the Helios H3. Been so lucky to travel and catch some amazing fish in some amazing places on the Helios rod. And just can't say enough about Orvis. So much of their gear is made in the USA. Really great brand. Make sure that you check them out. Inside the Musician's Brain is also brought to you by Osiris Media. Osiris has been with me since the beginning. They are behind all kinds of great podcast content, including their newest show, Sugar Maple, which is tremendous. Check them out. We're also brought to you by Americana Vibes. That's the String Duster's new record label, and we are working on curating all kinds of really cool music, so keep an eye on that channel as well. In the last episode, I was talking about the Grammy nomination that we recently received for our tribute to Bill Monroe. What an incredible honor, and we were so lucky to get to go to the Grammys on this last tour. Unfortunately, we did not win, but if you're going to lose to anyone, losing to Bela Fleck you can't be too upset about that. Bela took home the hardware for his tremendous record, My Bluegrass Heart. 
and I can't recommend it highly enough. And yeah, just really cool to see how strong bluegrass music is these days. And the nominees really, really put that on full display. And you can learn all about Bela's My Bluegrass Heart record on episode 22 of the podcast where I sat down with Bela and he broke it all down. That was just fascinating. And it's impossible to overstate the importance of Bela's music, his catalog, and his just larger-than-life influence on modern-day acoustic music and really music in general. I saw the My Bluegrass Heart tour when it came through Denver, and it was just a transcendent experience, truly one of the best shows that I had ever seen. He travels with a rotating lineup of players, and the show that I saw was Brian Sutton on guitar, Edgar Meyer on bass, Jerry Douglas on dobro, Sam Bush on mandolin, and Stuart Duncan on fiddle. And ooh, you really, you can't beat that lineup. They were in rare form, and Bela himself was sounding just, just so incredible. And one of the things I love about this record is all the young pickers that he's got featured, including Cody Kilby, Dominic Leslie, Michael Cleveland, Billy Strings, Billy Contreras. Sierra Hull, Molly Tuttle, the list goes on, and it is a tremendous lineup of players, the best of acoustic music, and the music is in great hands if you if you listen to these young players, and then go check out what they've got going on, because they all have incredible careers of their own. A trip to the Grammys, especially as a nominee, it's a really special, unique experience, something I will never take for granted. And like I said, we were on tour. We rolled overnight from Winter Wondergrass, showed up in Vegas, got cleaned up, got our best duds on. And the first thing that you do is you go to the pre-telecast. So you know, only a very small portion of the awards are actually given out on the TV broadcast that you see. Most of the awards, something like 60 plus awards are given out at this pre-telecast. And this is, I don't think it's really a thing that you can buy tickets to. It's really just the nominees and their teams. So everyone is there. And it's this amazing who's who of the music industry. And there's some great performances. Of course, some great acceptance speeches and just a, just a lot of fun to be there with your people and a celebration of everything that you've put into your career, your music, no matter whether you win or not. From there, it's a short break and then it's on to the televised show at the MGM Grand and it was so cool this year. We had great seats. And of course, there are some amazing performances from the top, the biggest names in the game. Incredible production as well. Billie Eilish was great. BTS kind of blew our minds. And uh, let's see what else. Olivia Rodrigo was really cool. Chris Stapleton also put on a great performance. And in addition to the performances, you have some of the most top-notch people watching that you could ever imagine. When we got into the MGM Grand, took our seats, and five minutes after I sat down, I turn around, and who sits down right behind me? Mike Tyson. I kid you not. Iron Mike, the champ. I could not believe what I was seeing. I actually turned around, chatted with him for a quick sec, got a picture with him, and then left him alone. You, you don't want to bother Mike Tyson more than you have to. But all in all, that part of the night was just 
just really cool. And then, yeah, we, we gathered our team. We went out to a big dinner. It's a celebration of everything that you've put into your music, your career, whether or not you win or lose. And it was really, really a special night for us. I think one of the coolest things of the night was to hear John Batiste give his acceptance speech for album of the year. He won for his record, We Are. And I think he was definitely considered the underdog in the category. He is an amazing, really authentic musician with a deep resume and just a really powerful spirit that came through in his beautiful acceptance speech during which he said, quote, this is for real artists, real musicians, just be you. And I love that. I think that really resonates at a time when corporate power seems to be really strong, especially in certain genres like country music with control over you know, radio programming, playlist curation, all of these critical factors in determining which artists find success. And through this whole process, real artistry can sometimes take a backseat to money and power, the net effect of which, of course, is not necessarily great for the arts, a classic kind of the rich get richer scenario. And John Batiste represented a departure from that and a nod to real music, real artists. I thought that was just awesome. So to all the artists out there keeping you, keep refining your vision and trust that moments like these really bode well for your success. We did not win a Grammy that night, but we did win the award for Biggest Night on the Town. We had an absolute blast, and I truly hope that I get to go back someday soon. And speaking of real artists, let's get on to my interview now with Karina Reichman. Here we go. Dripping down the street, feet are hot on concrete. She's got a bikini under her clothes. I'm going all out. No occasion, occasion. It's jubilation. This is a revelation. It must be Tuesday. You got me twisted again. There's no occasion. Nope. All right. We're here on Inside the Musician's Brain, and my guest today is an amazing artist who you may have heard of, but you may not have heard of because she's relatively new to the scene, and she's coming on with a vengeance with some amazing, creative, super cool music. Karina Reichman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor, and I should say that Karina is playing with us, the String Dusters, at Red Rocks on Thursday, May 26th, along with the California Honey Drops. Can't wait to hear, see, meet you, everything in one of the greatest Dude. music venues in the world. It's truly shocking and incredible. And I'm when I got that call, I almost fainted. I, <laughs> I've never even been to Red Rocks. I've never even set foot in the place, which is so messed up on every level so my first time walking in won't be to see a show it'll be to play a show with none other than you and i love <laughs> you and it's gonna be the best shit ever i'm really i'm overjoyed literally it's, like, it's gonna be awesome we're we're honored to have you and and i think that a lot of people are going to get introduced to your music there and i should say that my real introduction to your music and you know, i've seen you with marco 
you know, in passing, but you've, you know, you've been doing that for a few years, but you're starting to strike out on your own now these last few years. And you've got some awesome music that has recently hit Spotify. No occasion and arbitrary, your, your two newest singles. These are yeah. some really, really cool tracks and, and the older stuff as well. I especially love that track, Plants, which is just like this great kind of fuzzy, heavy hooks, like really cool production. I hear almost like Tame Impala and kind of like Frank Zappa sounds in there. And I love that. And I wanted to kick this thing off by getting inside your brain, as we do here on Inside the Musician's Brain, and just learning where this stuff comes from. Like, who are your influences? Who do you listen to? Who do you look up to? I love that. Well, I love that you're, you know, citing Tame Impala and Zappa off the bat. I love that. Um, yeah, that first single, Plants, man, that's just, that's that's uh, sort of the one, which is crazy. It's an instrumental tune, you know, and I wrote it. Um, I have a very spectacular co-conspirator, producer, dear friend uh, named Gabe Monroe, M-O-N-R-O. And he and I have been writing music together. We went to high school together, but we didn't start like really working together till we were in college. And uh, this kid, he's a he's the greatest bass player. He was like the greatest bass player in my high school and went on to be an Ableton junkie, savant, call it what you will. This guy is absolutely next level with it. And, um, you know, he has like a Sony ATV publishing deal and whatnot and works with hip hop stars and pop stars and all this shit. But bless him, I've convinced him to work on my music with me <laughs> as well. And and now we've, do we've, we've dove very deep and we're about to mix my debut record, which we basically for all intents and purposes, wrote together, you know? So that song, Plants, was written just me and Gabe in a room uh, in, like, 2019. But then I brought it to my band, Adam November and Chris Corsico, on uh, drums and guitar, respectively, and they brought it to life, you know? And we recorded that all analog styly at the Bunker Studio. And, you know, Adam is such an incredible guitar player and not in a traditional way. Adam is like a, you know, he is a crazy like Arduino programmer, pedals. I hear that. You know, he has like two that. DL4s on his board and like he's looping his loops and running them backwards and creating these incredible pads and sonic textures and all that shit. So like there will be multiple things going on in plants at the same time, like live too, and it's all natural, you know, and uh, and he's doing that all all at once and whatnot. So all the guitar you hear on that track, Plants, is my friend Adam November. Absolutely Sick. incredible. by me and Gabe, then brought to the band and now then recorded. Who, really quick, who who else has Gabe worked with? I'm just curious. What other artists has he oh, produced? Man. Well, a ton and like a ton of like, you know, really big rap folk. He does okay. a lot of that stuff. But he was taught by 
Ivan from Brass Tracks, if you know him, and he is an incredible player and producer himself and has worked with, you know, he's got a Grammy for working with Chance the Rapper and all these things that, you know, Gabe has sort of worked on as well and whatnot. But, I mean, this kid, he tons of shit that I've never, like, I, I don't even ask anymore because he's like, oh, yeah, I got, you know, that Travis Scott thing and I got this thing and, that like, real... Travis Scott, no big deal. Shit, yeah, you know, a few (laughs) things like that here and there where I'm like, damn, what? Like, damn, you know, and and uh, and And so you guys actually write together. We super write together. He's not. He's so much more than just a producer. You know what I mean? And he has like he has a musical ear that far surpasses mine. You know, and this kid is like absolutely wild. Has such an understanding of harmony, counterpoint you know, he's all the inversions. He's just like on that shit. You know what I mean? And like, he plays tons of synths on my record and like, just is, is a brilliant arranger. And I don't know, he's a pleasure to work with. So he and I, he's my, he's my right hand man for, for so much of, of my stuff. So all the next thing, like the next single is called elevator that I put out. And that's just me and him. Completely, except for um, the keys are played by a gentleman named Elijah Fox, who is a super incredible keys player and producer in his own right. And uh, I have a good feeling Elijah's about to be really famous. So he's uh, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, both in just the performance realm and in the producer realm. But these gotcha. things are just... Yeah, and Gabe and I, you know, I play a lot of guitar. I started on guitar. Okay. So, you know, for plants and stuff like that, like, I wrote those guitar lines. Like, the melody, like, the down, 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 now, down, 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 now, down, 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 now. That's a very Karina melody right there. And I wrote the intro super simple. Like, you know, these things. Gabe totally wrote that bass line. Which is funny, you know, because like I'm the bass player, but he's the bass player too, you know. And uh, so, do you come sorta... to those? Do you? Sorry to interrupt you. Do you come yeah. to those sessions with raw ideas and hand them over, or do you guys hash things out in real time? That's always there. You know, the co-writing process is something that music fans, I think, don't necessarily understand. And of course it can take a lot of different forms. You know, it can take shape a lot of different ways. But it's always interesting to get inside that process a little bit. So when you guys are writing together, do you come with a seed of an idea and hand it off to him? Do you guys jam and let things happen in real time? How does that process unfold? You know, it's a great question. The way we've found the most success with the, with the songs that stick around, I would find, uh, is, I mean, I think a lot of people do this, but they don't admit to it. I literally like for that song plants, I came in with a tune being like vibe theft, vibe theft, listen to this, like check this out. And that tune was, and if you listen to the tune, you would have absolutely no idea. It was Hush by the Magic City Hippies. And if you pull up Hush, you'll check it out. It had this very sort of simple, soft opening with this chorus that had this bass line that goes dum, 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 like these very sort of heavy syncopated, like bass movements in it. So the bass line in plants goes like, you know, it has these sort of, it, it was inspired by a tune basically. And that I find 
helps so much when, you know, I, I basically will be like, yo, check this out. Let's do our own version of this, you know? And then of course it spirals out into something completely different, you know? And I yeah. find that the ones basically like Gabe and I, what we like to do is, is that. And then sometimes it just comes from the two of us jamming, like, you know, put on 120 BPM with like 16th note hi-hats and four on the floor or whatever it might be, you know, jam over that. And maybe that, you know, you know, births what we would call a seedling of a tune, you know, and then you basically have like a little, like maybe it's a, maybe it's a verse and a chorus, all instrumental. Right. And then I'll go home and, you know, pull my hair out for as long as it takes to come up with a lyrical concept or not, you know what I mean? Like, since I'm not afraid of instrumental music. I love instrumental music as well. But these days, I'm, I'm kind of writing words and liking that, you know? So I'll yeah. like, take these seedlings and see if they elicit sort of like a vocal melody, you know? And then I'll come back and be like, Gabe, I fucking got it, you know? And then it'll be like, okay, you know, track it in, track it in, track it in, then refine, 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 be like, ah, that word sucks. Like, let's take that out, you know? <laughs> that melody was so cheesy, like all that shit. And just like, you know, drive yourself absolutely crazy trying to get it the way you want to get it, you know? So that's usually how that goes. Okay. Okay. So that's great. I love that. But what about your influences? Because, you know, you're, you're taking us through some of your collaborators and of course they are often our biggest influences, the people who are right in front of us. And that is clearly working in your favor and you have some badasses in your corner, which is great. But like, what do you listen to? What are you, what are you into? I mean, I hear, I mentioned a few of the things that I, that I hear influence wise in your music, but the singing is sick. I mean, there's some really, really dope, creative, you know, almost like spoken word, kind of like bordering into hip hop. And then like some of the grooves are really like, no occasion is like a funk groove, you know? And, totally. and, then, and then some of the other stuff is just more of this like saturated, um, more along the sort of Tame Impala lines. But what what are you into? What do you feel like has inspired this music? You know, it could be recent. It could be stuff that you've been into forever. But who are your big influences? Yo, good call on all of that. Well, I have, I have you know, both the blessing and the curse of being into too many things. Being into just about... Join I the club. Say, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's a bit of a thing, you know, because... I, I literally, like I said to somebody the other day, I was going to Madison Square Garden for Portugal the Man and Alt-J on Monday. And I was like, I, I have seen so many shows at Madison Square Garden from Metallica to Ricky Martin. And they sort of looked at me like, really? And I was like, oh yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, which is just a funny, I, I said that, but it's true, you know? And I, I'm a, I mean, shit. When I first started, I'm a huge thick 70s rock grooves fan of all sorts and that means zeppelin that that means humble pie that means james gang that means you know sabbath that means even you know call it rush you know for of course that is a bit of a different territory but love all that music that's like when i first started playing guitar i wanted to like learn thick 70s riff rock you know but i'm a huge hip-hop head i'm a huge heavy metal head and I love electronic music and I love, you know, I, I basically, when I first started playing, I made it my, uh, th- this is, it's so much more than like, 
I mean, of course, it's not a hobby, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, I wanted to be a savant and know everything about rock and roll from 1955 to present, you know? And that means you go from Bill Haley and the Comets all the way to fucking Block Party and now to Tame Impala and, and, you know, got all kinds of shit, you know? Like, I wanted to be a savant in all of it, you know? Love... 90s fucking sad boys and attitude guitars we're talking pavement we're talking built to spill i love all that music i love <laughs> and to me beck beck is my number one that's the sure. real i hear that math on that because beck to me is the master of eclecticism and shapeshifter dude like every record i love and every record is different you know and to me he's sort of walked those lines so masterfully and i love every record he's ever put out like without a doubt and then you have you have you know midnight vultures and then you have sea change and then you have wero from 2005 or 6 or whatever which is arguably my favorite like yeah absolutely incredible music and uh he's he's big up there for me but for for what i'm trying to do now like you know i call it i call it you know somewhere between like indie pop rock drenched in psychedelia you know what i mean like everything's gonna be gooey everything's gonna have that sort of like bounce to it maybe you know but it's it's not jam music even though there are jam elements to it and like you were saying like like city kids you know it is sort of spoken in that sort of way and to me that was more of like a like a david byrne thought if you know what i mean I, Mm -hmm. i which of course, he does so many different things, too, but I wanted to be like, I'm being weird. I'm doing stuff. I'm doing stuff and things being weird. I'm saying stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's sort of where that all came from. And Arbitrary was a, a direct sort of Beck thought. But also, of course, was like a little Snoop Dogg, a little Tribe, a little Beastie Boys, all things that I absolutely carry near and dear to my heart, you know? Well, but if I had to... If I yeah. had to guess, I would say that the success of some of these tracks is really predicated on what you were referencing a minute ago, which is your obsession with kind of learning it all. And when I look at a guy like Beck or a guy like David Byrne, and they do have this amazingly diverse set of albums and songs, but even when they travel in these new directions, it's just as convincing as the places they were before, the places that they're going to go. And you know that's because they've done their homework. And these guys are just musical encyclopedias. So I'm not surprised to learn that you are of that similar mind and someone who loves to learn it all. And it comes through in your music, I got to say. It's, it's really, Thanks. like I said, part of, I, I think, what makes this stuff so convincing and so badass. What about... What about like newer artists? And, and especially I'm curious, like you mentioned the electronic thing, which I also love certain strains of the electronic world have been influential on me and, and my side project, Trad Plus, you know, which is a lot of programming and a lot of synths and a lot of stuff that I do here in my studio. What, sure. uh, what are you into on the electronic front? I mean, starts with Kraftwerk, right? You gotta Sick. mention Kraftwerk. Oh, but yeah. I love like Jeff... Jeff Mills, you know, pioneer of it all. I love Chromio, which I think is a, you know, it's maybe more funk than electronic, but with all those, 
Yeah, you know, yep. electro-funk or whatever. I mean, loved Mastercraft so much, Daft Punk so much, like, all of that stuff. And, in turn, like, I love Big Gigantic. I think Big Gigantic is doing something really cool and interesting in and straddling a lot of realms while doing it, you know? Um, lots of stuff. I mean, God, I, <laughs> I like, you know, anything that grooves really hard that, you know, which well, I love heavy metal too in that same realm. And I love extremely, you know, heavy hip hop for all those same reasons. You know what I mean? But I also love super, you know, I love big thief. That's so like soporific and quiet, sick. you know, yeah. big thief rules. And like, you know, I love Phoebe Bridgers. I think she's killing it. And I love this girl, Faye Webster. Like I, I have so much appreciation for like, the heaviest of heavy and the softest of soft, you know, and the Faye most soporific of soporific. She's the shit. I'm writing it down. <laughs> You're going to lose your mind. Faye might be my favorite. Like, I mean, she's absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, man. Cool. I, mean, I love it. I love it. So let's so take, much of all that. Take us back. Let's, let's, let's go back and let's learn a little bit about, you know, the advent of your musical journey and where things started and, and also curious to know how you teamed up with Marco Benevento because you've been playing with Marco since I think 2016. Correct. Correct. And Marco is such a badass and he he's just created some if you ask me of the coolest most unique kind of musicians music in you know I mean for years now he's been doing it. And totally. um and a great pairing and I hear his influence on, on you too, but take us back. How did your whole journey start and how did it take you to where you're at now? Big time, big time. Yes. <laughs> so much to tell. Well, you know, I, I like sort of took piano lessons ish in like fifth grade, sixth grade. And I used to, you know, my dad, my parents are so not music people at all in the sen in the traditional sense of it. My dad's like a philosopher who teaches at Columbia and my mom teaches French at Columbia. And they're like, you know, heavy intellectuals and they love music, but they don't have like a music collection. You know what I mean? Like my dad listened to Bach while he worked and stuff like that. But like, if I put shit on for them, they love it. And they come to all my New York shows and they're, so into the music in a huge way. So I learned about all my classic rock and all the shit, like not from them at all. It was just a super self-motivated desire to learn and be immersed in all of it. And then of course I got completely obsessed with going to see live music. And that was a whole other, you know, thing that I, you know, that's such a huge part of my musical life and journey. But in eighth grade, I got handed an acoustic guitar at recess and my friend Bobby taught me how to play Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. And I couldn't believe that I could just do that. I was like, wait, what? And then he was like, oh yeah. And then I like, from one day to the next got completely obsessed, bl like blinders on for the rest of the world. Like that was, that was it. Like my life completely changed and would henceforth be, uh, you know, based around learning riffs and chords and all that shit. And it was just completely, you know, I never, I'm such an untraditionally schooled musician. I never went to like real music school. I was in the jazz band in high school, 
but like really I co-opted the jazz band into playing what I wanted to play because at least <laughs> I was passionate about what like I wanted to play Zappa tunes and Billy Cobham tunes and Return to Forever tunes and like all this crazy fusion shit not Autumn Leaves and the teacher bless his heart was like well hey at least she's into this shit you know and like <laughs> totally let me like get in there and that's like what my jazz group learned you know which was amazing um but all throughout high school I was playing in million bands mostly guitar some bass doing kind of both simultaneously and again no traditional I never took guitar lessons I only learned from my friends who were better than me and started meeting people who were older than me and playing with them and I went to this uh music school if you will it was more of like a rock collective it was an offshoot of the school of rock led by a gentleman named Tomato who ran a music school called Tomato's House of Rock, where literally we'd it. get together every Friday after school, come up with a set list, and everybody would be responsible for learning your tunes. Like, And then you come back every Friday and just jam, 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 and get them down. And then like at the end of the quote-unquote season, you'd perform your tunes, you know? And it would be like at the Highline Ballroom or at Sullivan Hall or like whatever it was, you know? And it was there that I met... Dave Drywitz from Ween, who, you know, Ween, one of my top two favorite bands of all time. And he was buddies with Tomato. And Tomato would bring in all these special guests to come jam with us. And we did one show with Gene Ween, who came and picked the set list. So there I am, 16-year-old Karina, playing. He picked a sick set list. He picked, like, you know, Boy in the Bubble by Paul Simon. And we were doing Tell Me Something Good by Shaka Khan. And, like, all the, like, sick T-Rex tunes and all this shit and I'm shedding and I'm shedding and I'm shedding and loving all this. And Dave Drywitz came to one of those rehearsals, which is where we met. And we just sort of became pals. And he just, you know, became a huge mentor of mine at that age, kept jamming together. I learned so much from him would hang out and just like, you know, I, it wasn't a structuralized lesson, you know, but it was, it was still a lesson nonetheless, you know what I mean? And so Dave, being a, a total pal and all that stuff, he asked me, then I turned 18 and he asked me if I would join his power trio on guitar, which he called Crescent Moon. And I said, fuck yeah, Dave, of course. And <laughs> we played a bunch of gigs together. Uh, and then Ween breaks up for four years. And in those four years, he joins Marco Benevento's band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tours extensively, blah, 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 blah. Then 2016, Ween comes back. And basically the long and the short of it is Dave says to Marco, hey, I kind of can't keep doing both of these things. I'm too busy with Ween, but the only person I want to fill my shoes is Karina. And at that moment, Marco had never heard me play a note. Like I'm just, I'm a girl in five bands going nowhere in New York City. I have a total job in the music. Like I like working at a, as a promoter at the time company called Rocks Off that put on shows on boats that went around Manhattan for three hours and then came back. I'm like the GM of this company. I'm at NYU, like studying music business and all kinds of crazy shit, you know, and Marco was like, fuck yeah, let's give her a shot. So, so and, were you not, were you not necessarily thinking like trajectory wise, it sounds yeah. like you were making plans to maybe move into another area of the music business. Like you didn't necessarily foresee that performing was was going to be the thing you you kind of had other things on your plate it sounds like i had yeah i had no clear path forward to being an actual performer for a, like as a living zero like i i again i played in 
a million bands and all that. And I played all simultaneously throughout college and whatnot. But no, I thought like just being a very uh, objective, you know, see what's in front of you kind of person, sure, not sure, like sure. pipe dream. I'm not a pipe dream person per se. I was just like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to be a, a chick who works in the music business. Like, you know what I mean? I thought I was going to work for, you know, the Bowery Presents or Live Nation or fucking Ticketmaster. Like I thought I was going to have one of those jobs because that's what I was doing. And I was already Got killing it. it at a young age in that realm. You know, I had a sweet resume, you know, from the time I was young, you but know, you, and but whatever. But you couldn't, you couldn't deny the simmering potent inspiration of tomatoes school of rock oh yeah in a big <laughs> way in a big you way you couldn't deny that if you had asked me what i would have wanted in the greatest you know in, in in the best of all possible world i would have been like oh i'm a i'm an entertainer like i'm a fucking that's i'm and i'm a music junkie this is what i do this isn't it's never been a hobby but it just they're just, I wasn't in like a happening band. You know what I mean? I was in bands that were not happening. You know what I mean? I was in bands that played to nobody in small Manhattan clubs. You know what I mean? And like, and that was awesome. And I love that. And I would have kept doing that for the rest of my fucking life. Like if that's what would have happened to me. But the Marco thing completely shifted my life on its, on its head in the greatest way I could have ever imagined, you know? And I joined that band when I was 22 and the rest was history. It just gave me, uh, you know, all these, like, I don't know, it gave me a platform. It gave me a, 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 a pl- like a touring gig that was like yeah. everything, you right. know? So well, that, it, was, that was huge. It proves the point that when you give a shit about what you're doing, when you're passionate, you meet the right people. And just like any other business, you know, people think that the music business is some meritocracy but it's it's really and and of course it matters how good you are but how good you are is a reflection of how much you care about the stuff that you're doing how much you've done your homework and it's a business of relationships you know and it sounds like you met the right people and they fell in love with you and you fell in love with them and that's the thing that opens doors you know you got to see that side of things through it's not just about like toiling away in your bedroom and learning 10 zillion songs, but it proves the point that when you're out there doing it and really doing it with all your heart and soul, boom, the doors open. We'll get right back to my interview with Karina after a very short break. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Crazy, crazy. And and like you say, like without without Dave Drywitz and Marco to be like thumbs up, 
you, like those guys changed my life. They yeah. completely changed the course of my life forever. You know what I mean? And it's and it's I'm so forever grateful to both of those guys for giving me a, a shot and letting me fill those enormous shoes because he is an incredible bass player and an incredible hang. Yeah, By the way, he's yeah. the funniest dude, the <laughs> nicest dude. Like, there's not, there's not a better dude, you know. So, like, want me to tell huge. you a funny Marco story? Please, please. What <laughs> so, do you got? This is so funny. So, last summer, last summer, yeah, we we were playing a festival in Atlanta. Marco was playing before us. I'm there, dude. I know all oh, about oh this. Oh my god, I know of course. All about this. So, Marco, <laughs> we asked him to sit in with us. And no, he piano. Sta- no piano. No <laughs> piano. <laughs> Dude. Oh my God. Of course. Of course you're there. So, so, um, we literally are on stage and I was the one. Cause like I sort of, I write the set list and since I sing the least of anyone, you know, I'm sort of the field marshal on stage and I'll direct traffic a lot and get in the talk back. And if the jam gets too hairy and we need a parachute, we need an escape plan, you know, like that's going to be me. So I'm looking over on the side of the stage and I see Marco and I'm looking across the stage and there's just simply no piano in sight. And I'm thinking maybe he's got, you know, a melodica or something like that. And I, maybe you remember this, but like I took my ears out and I kind of buzzed over to the other side of the stage and I, I came over and, you know, the music was cranking and I was like, all right, dude, you're up on the next song. And he was like, great, great. And I looked at him and we looked at each other and we had this funny moment and I was just like, so what are you going to play? <laughs> and, and he was like, well, where's the piano? And you guys were like, where is the piano? And then it was like, the backline truck is packed up and put away. And it was just one of those hilarious. It was we a, laughed so much. It was so good. It well, was so we're gonna, good. We're going to have to get a mulligan on that and get both of you guys to sit in with Dude. us in the in the future because because so you're still now and we'll get into this in a second because I know you're doing your own thing but you're still playing with Marco right I mean that's that's, oh, yeah. that's still moving on okay I just had a great weekend with Marco three shows in the Northeast and and it was really fun you know I went on tour with my band for a month which was incredible and then was home for one week and then did three shows with Marco and it was like it's so funny when you switch from being like the person in charge the person who like wrangles the lunatics to the lunatic who gets wrangled <laughs> you know what i mean i was like this is fucking great i love like you know both i i i, I love having both in my life it's yeah. so fun well i love seeing so, you up yeah. there i love seeing you up there with him because you just kill it and your energy is awesome on stage i mean it, it's and it and i feel it today in, in this hang and i can't wait to get to red rocks and make some music because there's just a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of power, and it just comes through in your music, and it comes through on stage, and that's that's important, and I'm sure that's been part of why these doors have opened for you too, and um, you know that that's just I think indicative of you as a person. You know, those are the things that shine through in the music, and Marco is such a great fit. I mean, his music, he's got this one track. You guys ever play the tune called "Going West"? Oh wow! You know we've ne- I know that tune. We've never played it. I've never played it with him. I have that tune. That's wild. I, I have that tune. That's on a deep a, cut. That's a deep cut. But it's on <laughs> it's on a playlist of mine that, you know, and I'm similar to you. Like I'll go through periods where, for inspiration, I'll just boom surf around like ADD, just like two seconds of one track, two seconds of another, and new yeah. artists, artists I've listened to forever, and that track. 
and and then all these songs sort of fall onto these different playlists that I will then sure. revisit later, either to just jam out to or for inspiration. Like if I'm looking for some direction or some new sounds, and that that one going west is one that's just stood the test of time. I don't I don't know. It's just such a cool it's such a cool track. Totally. And it, it's got that like fuzzy lo-fi audio quality that, you know, I hear in his stuff, I hear in your stuff. Like I said, I, I feel like he's been an influence on you as well. Hugely, hugely. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no denying any of that. And like, just the way it's just fun to be, you know, in his orbit and in the van with the guy. Cause like, you know, it's just so fun to trade. Oh, you know, this guy, Oh, check out this guy. Oh, I've been listening to this. Oh dude, this shit is Sick. like yeah. all of that like we're just big music nerds and fans you know and he's uh he's a huge influence and i love the way he's sort of straddled like you know he has uh, i want to say four instrumental records and then he started singing on the fifth one and he's put out all these records where he's singing and like all this stuff and and i i, I love both eras and both sort of you know his approaches to songwriting when they're instrumentals versus yeah you know, verse, chorus, verse. And it's great in the set. Like, you know, his early shit, this record, Invisible Baby, it's a lot of, like, through-composed, you know, something's changing constantly, nothing ever repeats itself. Jazz odysseys, basically. And yeah. now a lot of, you know, very sort of, I want to call it indie pop, like, mm-hmm. you know, two minutes and 45 seconds of just a banger track that you're like, wow, I can't get this out of my head. Nicely done, you know? Yeah, we got to, so. I got to get him on the podcast one of these days. And definitely, it's funny, I think before I was even a fan of his music, and here comes our, our fish segue, because we're going to talk about <laughs> fish here for a minute. I love fish. There's an old fish bootleg where Trey is just rambling on and he just, he just says, Marco Benevento. I, I can't remember what song. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's in Run Like an Antelope. Run yeah, Like an antelope. an antelope. That's it. Exactly. Instead of saying Marco Esquandolas, he says Benevento. That's yep, yep, right. Yep. That's right. Totally. Nailed it. So, yep. fish sound check jam. You know, I was talking Dude. with with your manager, Hillary Clinton, who I love Hillary, and we obviously work with her as well. And I didn't know about this. She sent me your bio. I was like, what is this fish (laughs) sound check jam? So of course I checked it out. And there you are on stage with the guys playing Mike's rig at MSG. What the hell? Yo, straight up, what the hell? (laughs) <laughs> Yo, I mean, I still haven't recovered, you know, it was, uh, it was December 2018. I'm still walking into walls over that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, dude. Um, Did you know the guys previously? Yeah. So, so the real, the real scoop on that is I went, I went to school with Trey's kids in middle school. Oh, okay. Um, cool. And so we grew up together and we're friends and I got brought to my first fish show uh, you know, when I was in ninth grade, 2009, uh, to the first Jones or no, the last of the Jones beach run that year and got total. I didn't, I was like, Oh, your dad's in a band. Like I didn't even know, you know? And then I was like, checked it out, downloaded, you know, studio bouncing around the room and studio chalk dust torture on iTunes. Didn't like either of the songs and was just like, all right, cool. Like, but you know, I'm, I'm totally here for any rock show, you know, I'm 15 stoked, got taken, you know, literally, like, you know, Trey's wife, Sue, at the end of that night, like, you know, they they went on for an encore. They played A Day in the Life. And then she said to, like, all the kids, like, me and 
and, you know, their kids, but like also our mutual friends from school. It's like a big posse, you know, as they were like, all right, guys, <laughs> when when they hit their last note, you run, don't walk to the tour bus. And we're like, okay. And of course, I think this is the greatest moment of my life. I'm like, this is the coolest shit that's ever happened to me literally <laughs> ever, you know? And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. And I, and, and we run to the tour bus and like, go, 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 go. And it's like a huge convoy out of there. And Trey's bus literally dropped me at my parents' apartment, you know, that night. Like I got driven home by a tour bus and my doorman was <laughs> like, Karina, is this how you're balling these days? And I was like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> and then the week after they took me to Bonnaroo with, again, this is like, it's not just Trey's family. It's like my dear friend, Isaac, who I co-host a podcast with on the Osiris Media Network. And like, he's my best friend, my roommate. Like Isaac was there throughout all of this because he was friends with the kids too. And it's just like this big posse of us. And we, we went to Bonnaroo and I fell in love with the music. That's the long and short of that. But then the rest of my life was going to be based around you know i've seen over 100 fish shows since then and i can play all the fucking music i'm completely upset it's it's a huge 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 part of my life and me too girl i love it yo dude you know the way trey has been such a mentor and friend and like you know musical inspiration among other things like he's just he's so amazing towards me and i could never thank him enough you know And then, so I know him through the kids, right? So that's one avenue, right? But when I join Marco's band, I'm like backstage at fish shows, right? And he's like, dude, how's my friend Marco? Because they played together, of course, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, Marco's fucking great, you know? And like, there was like this funny moment in my, in my life where I went from being like a friend of his kids to like something of a peer, if you know what I mean, because now I'm playing bass with a guy that you played with and blah, blah, blah. And he's asking me about that. And I'm like, wow, this is so neat. Like, this is so, I would have never seen that coming. You know what I mean? So, so we now have a whole friendship on like that musical level where it's not just like, Oh, Karina sleeps over at my house all the time. Ha ha ha. Like, you know, (laughs) and like hangs out, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's so, you know, it's like there's the friendship through the kids and then there's the friendship through music and all that shit. But then, you know, Mike and Marco are really good friends and we sort of became pals through, through that, you know? So Mike was asking me, you know, whenever that was 2018, he was like, dude, I redid my whole rig. You got to come see what I've done to it. It's fucking insane. And I was like, yes, sir. Anytime you want, you just let me know. I would love to check out all of your pedals and whatever you got going on up there. So blah, blah, blah. A lot of banter back and forth about when it's going to be and like, you know, when's convenient for him. And I'm like, dude, just let me know. And uh, I woke up on the morning of, was it, was it 1230? I think it was 1230, 18 um, at like 2 p.m., you know, he sends a text being like, hey, can you be at the garden at three? And I was like, yes, I can. And I <laughs> ran into the shower and I drank a shot of espresso. And, you know, when Fish comes to town, like hosting a million people here, it's like Guantanamo Bay, like people on the couches, people sure. on the floor. You're stepping over bodies to get to the espresso machine. You know what I mean? So all my friends are like, where are you going? Because I'm like hustling to get out of there. And I'm like, I'll tell you I'm later. I like, didn't want to jinx it. <laughs> Didn't want to jinx it, didn't tell anybody what I was doing. But I get there and, you know, I just thought it was going to be me and Mike checking out his pedals and stuff. So it was me, Mike, and his tech 
going through everything. But then Trey walks on stage and he's just like, Karina? And I'm like, Trey, he's like, what are you doing here? And then Mike's like, I've been meaning to show her my pedal board and all these adjustments for quite some time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm checking out Mike's rig. And he's like, oh, awesome. And like walks over to like the rack mounted shit, you know? And he's like, have you checked out this pedal? I just bought this pedal for Bella's boyfriend, which is his daughter's boyfriend, Zach. And I'm like, no, I don't know it. And he like hits it on with his hand. And I still have like, you know, Mike's modulus on me. And I'm like, you know, it's sick fuzz, like whatever's going on. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. And then Trey's like, eyes like light up. And he runs to his side of the stage and picks up the guitar. And then like on like note one, Fishman's right on that shit and starts playing a beat. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that? And then like 20 seconds later, Paige shows up out of nowhere, joins in, you know, and I sort of like, I, you know, what? <laughs> what did that feel like? It was the craziest thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I have had that actual dream, like that real life, yeah. like my, I am asleep and dreaming about literally this. Yeah. So many times, like, just like, as a, I'm sure you have too, like, you know, your favorite band, nobody gets to jam with their favorite band. What? At the world's most famous arena? The night, or the day after my hundredth show, which was also some kismet bullshit? Like, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened. So then, you know, I give the bass back to Mike. Thank God Mike filmed it, bless his heart. Otherwise, nobody would have ever believed me. And, uh, you know, I put the bass down. I run over to Trey, give him a hug. He's just like, dude, I've been wanting to do that with you forever. And I was like, me too, man. <laughs> you know, just like so shook. And then I get off stage and like all like the, you know, the camera, like the webcast people backstage are like, dude. And I'm like, dude. And then all <laughs> these other people are like, dude. And I'm like, dude. And I like walked in a wall. <laughs> Literally, like, walked in a lamppost coming up 7th Avenue after that. I called my mom. She was like, wait, what? I called everybody. I'm like, guys, no, you don't. Yo, what? And nobody. Uh, uh, anyway, it was so a whole cool. thing. And then I, get, I love it. I get back to the apartment. I'm like, yo. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? To your apartment I, full of people who are there for the MSG run. It was one of the most surreal, like, cool. if you ask I, Isaac, again, my best friend who's been there since the beginning, also friends with the kids, like, you know, and, like, knows the whole, like, we were all just here, like, in the living room, and I put the video on the TV, you know, like, I, like, airplayed it. I didn't even say anything. I'm like, guys, 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 and everybody's like, what, 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 what? He, like, loses their mind. It was, it was a pretty special, I mean, it was the most special thing that's ever happened to me. That's, that's can't. great. Great story. Yeah. You'll have that in your back pocket for the rest of your <laughs> life. And yes, I have dreamed of playing with fish, but right? ironically, the way that I first met Mike, check this out. This is insane. Yeah. And I don't, what do you I, got? no, not many people have heard this story. So, but it's like the inverse yeah. of that. So string dusters are just getting our start, right? Mm -hmm. And we're no, we're, we're no one. We're, we're like in our first year as a band. I think we're working on our first album and we're playing in Nashville at a place called the station Inn, famous, like the bluegrass, probably the most famous bluegrass venue anywhere. And we're sure. playing and there's, you know, smattering of people there. And, I look out during the first set and I'm like, yo, that's Mike Gord, like sitting at the bar. <laughs> and sure enough, he's with Leo Kaki. They're recording one of their records that they did. So wow. set, set break, I, I roll right up to him. And I, you know, I'm sure he was just there because like I said, it's like the bluegrass place to go. Mike's a banjo player, bluegrass guy. I roll up to him 
And I'm like, dude, you want to sit in with us? And he's like, well, he's like, I'd love to, but I don't have anything to play. And I'm like, hey, man, play my banjo. So I'm sitting in the crowd watching the string dusters with Gordon on banjo at the station Inn. <laughs> they played like three songs. Um, they played Old Home Place, played a couple others. And, you know, we've been whatever we've been buds ever since and um you know he comes out to see us in vermont and i got to do a fill in friends with Paige and fish so haven't haven't checked yes. haven't checked jamming with trey off the list yet however um, that's pretty heavy dude that's a that's a that's that's the fill in friends you want right there. oh that's my awesome. god it was insane it was uh it was at lock-in and it was Four of us dusters with Russo, um, Fish, Paige, Derek Truck sat in, and Anders Osborne. And Dude, Phil's flight. Hard. Phil's flight got can't have you been to Lockin ever? Never. So Lockin Lockin has one of those rotating stages. Yeah, so you know, sure. if you're the next act, you're getting ready like on the back side of the stage. Phil's flight gets canceled. They charter him a flight. We're 30 minutes after our set is supposed to start. Phil is not there. Rolls in, police escort, comes right on stage, bump, 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 checks the bass, boom, stage is rotating. And, oh my God. And next thing you know, we're out on stage and I've got, I've got Fish right behind me, Paige on one side, Derek Trucks on the other. And I was just like, oh. yo. And, I, and it's the same thing as you. I was like, dude. And they were like, dude. <laughs> and it's just like, you can't. You know, and it's just so cool to live some of that stuff, you know, after being a true fan, you know, like I was a fan, I was a fish fan before I even ever started playing banjo. Like in high school, they were one of the bands that got me to fall in love with music. And so it's just right. like, as you can attest, you know, making some of these connections and actually making music with these people is like dream come true stuff it's really cool the craziest shit the craziest shit it's like and i could yeah, see it on your face i could see it on your face at msg you're just like just like ear to ear you're just like yep <laughs> this is happening <laughs> i could not believe what was happening i literally could not believe what was happening yeah no it's those are the those are the moments man that's why we do this like that's what it's all about and just all of that shit and just playing your music for people who are singing it back, you know, and, and all of that is just, you know, I, had, I mean, this is, it's different, but I had a buddy who said last year, he was like, you know, in this business, you don't get paid in money. You get paid in ego strokes, you know, and like, whatever. <laughs> and like, I mean, I think that's a funny, it's not like I got my ego stroked by that, but you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, wow, you know, it's like, it, it, I it's, a, it's like about the moments, you know, we only get so many moments and it's about the shared communal aspect of these things that like, you just, you can't get these moments in time back, you know, and, and you, special stuff. And, and you don't necessarily think about this when you're observing, listening to your heroes, but everybody kind of started out in the same place. You know, everybody just right? falls in love with music and, does their thing and we all end up in, 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 in different realms of this music world, but all ultimately on kind of the same mission, which is, which is what makes it, you know, such a family and, and is one of those amazing kind of ties that bind us all together, which, which, is, which is so cool. As I'm sure you know, it really is 
a family and you know we're, we're so lucky to be a part of it so take us through some of your your future plans i know you got big things brewing let's let's tell the people what what you got coming yo people yo we got some, tell we got some stuff tell coming for you yo um i you know i've been i've been hard at work for quite some time i want to say uh, you know interrupted by the pandemic and whatnot but like you know, I'm, I, I want to, I'm putting out a record <laughs> and yeah, that is are. like at the forefront of my shit. You know, I've released uh, six singles as we talked about earlier, you know, which I'm totally proud of, but I'm really wildly proud of this record. And uh, so are those singles a, a part of this upcoming record or is this all new stuff that we haven't heard yet? There are, there are two of those singles that will end up on the record. Okay. Uh, two of the six and then the rest is brand new stuff nobody's ever heard before okay um so i'm stoked and that is getting mixed the first week of may and if all goes according to plan which it never does but let's hope that it will uh that will be you know sent off to mastering the the second week of may let's go you know get ready world and, uh, <laughs> get ready i'm I'm wildly in the trenches on that, you know, and just, uh, you know, it's, it's a big thing for me. I want to, I want to make records for the rest of my life. Let's fucking go. And this is number one. You only get one first album. So wildly excited about that. I'm playing with a little band called the infamous motherfucking string dusters <laughs> at Red Rocks. I mean, that's, that's huge. And then like two weeks later I play Bonnaroo, which, uh, yeah, in my band we call any any like fucking sick gig you call it a clutch cargo gig i don't know why clutch cargo gig yeah dude these are two oh, dude, clutch gonna, cargo gigs we're gonna co-opt that yo you got Please some do. clutch cargo dates coming up yo when when hillary clinton calls you you just go yo hillary what you got a clutch cargo gig for me or what <laughs> Some I'm gonna use shit. I'm gonna Please use that on her. I'm gonna use that on her before she listens. Please to do. This. <laughs> I got another one for you that you'll totally Hit understand. Uh, when when things are just going horribly wrong, it could be tech things. It could be you know you, the refrigerator breaks in your house and now you have to fix it. Like whatever it is. Like or you know the monitor guy. You probably have your own monitor guy. God bless you. But pretend you didn't. Right and shit is just awry. You don't even you can't hear anything. Blah blah blah. You say, dude, total pain cave. Total pain cave. Oh pain my God. cave is just like, oh man, the refrigerator broke and then the dude came and he didn't have the right tools. I mean, it's just such a pain cave. You know? <laughs> or like, man, our bus driver backed the thing in wrong and scraped the entire top of the bus off. Pain and now we cave. all we can't even huge pain cave, dude. So anyway, <laughs> pain cave and clutch cargo gig. Please take these with you. Um <laughs> I feel like if you're in a band, dude, you have to like invent your own language on how to deal with the absolute insane shit that happens to you because nobody understands. Oh, for sure, for sure. We used you to know? we used to challenge ourselves like back in the van days. We'd be like, "Yo, I bet you if we needed to, we could have a full, deep conversation in English, but in our English that nobody but us would understand." And Dude, that's where you, you got really your get it. you got your clutch cargo, you got your pain cave, you got your terminology that's just evolved oh from from like, you know, these like I said before, like this is people don't necessarily know the depth of it, but when you're on tour, I mean, these, this is your family, you know, you're you're like living together and you're doing something 
that you really give a shit about together. And there's just, there's just, it's deep, you know, as you know, that's like, that's the stuff. That's what, that's the dream. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of pain cave moments along the way, but when you get to that clutch cargo gig with your homies, Yo, you know, you're there, you're there. <laughs> you just nailed that. No, that's such a thing, dude. It's such a thing. And, and I feel like people don't understand the depths of which like you like, lose your mind together but like in the best way hopefully you know what i mean and like you just you're doing this common thing you know this common goal this common situation you're loading in you're loading out you're loading in loading out late night early morning late night early morning when you're in, in a van that you know and you're living out of a van for a month and yeah. you know <laughs> during the day i've been known to like sleep on the floor of the van which we've called the death crack you know, and it's like, oh, where's Karina? Oh, she's in the death crack. Oh, okay. Does somebody have the credit card for gas? You know, because I like, you know, whatever. And I'm the like, oh, here you crack. go, boys. Here you go. I'm just in the death crack. I'm like, I'll be in the death crack for a couple more hours and I'll come up for air. Uh, See, we know. used to call that, we used to call that the sleeper car. Like, there the one, you go. We had, we had, we had six <laughs> of us in the van. So one guy got the bench to himself and that was the sleeper car. And it was like, if you got to the van Huge. early enough, on like a crappy long drive day, you got that sleeper car. That was Primo. the result. <laughs> you see, that well, is just, that is so amazing. So yes, about. I'm working, I am working on a record. <laughs> I have a couple clutch cargo gigs coming up, including <laughs> uh, Red Rocks and Bonnaroo, which is, you know, again, such, I never, both of the, like, I really, I maybe don't have big enough of an imagination. I never thought I'd play Red Rocks. I thought I'd play Bonnaroo like that's some crazy shit like what you know so super stoked for all that a summer of festivals and playing the 420 fest uh at, in Atlanta in the end of April which will be great I'm about to go on tour with this wonderful band too many zoos uh cool. playing up north playing down south all east coast for those of you listening and uh stoked on all of that and then yeah you know the peach fests of life and the awesome. i'm playing sacred rose fest and all you know a lot of summer festies which i love i love festy season it's a it's a fun thing where you know you get to hang out with musicians well you got <laughs> and see each other yeah you got a lot of good you got a lot of good things coming your way you got a lot of good things coming up and you deserve it your stuff is Sick and can't wait for Red Rocks and can't tell you how stoked I am to have had you on the podcast today, Karina. Thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait to actually meet and hang and jam here in a matter of a few short weeks at the one and only Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Best thing ever, truly. Thank you endlessly for having me, both there and on this pod. This is the best. For I'm sure. uh, I'm so stoked we got to you know, right, you know, chalk it up a little bit before uh, before the big rocks hang. It's gonna be next level. I'm it's, really really excited. It's gonna be awesome. Well, thank you so much, and I will see you very soon. Can't wait. Later. Bye. That's a wrap on this episode of Inside the Musician's Brain. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And if you do that next week between April 25th and 29th, you get a chance to win some really awesome stuff. Stay tuned to my Instagram for more details on that. That's at Trad Plus. Huge thanks to my amazing guest today, Karina Reichman. Make sure you check her out. 
and our upcoming show at Red Rocks. That's Thursday, May 26th. The infamous String Dusters, the California Honey Drops, and Karina Reichman. Huge thanks to our sponsors this season. Artistworks, your go-to for online music learning. And Orvis, your go-to for all kinds of amazing outdoor gear and leaders in the field of conservation. We are also brought to you by Osiris Media and Americana Vibes. On the next episode of the podcast, I have an interview with the one and only Corey Wong. You may know him from Wolfpack. I consider this guy to be among the most prolific musicians I have ever witnessed. This was such an interesting conversation. You don't want to miss it. And that goes down in two weeks right here when we go back inside the musician's brain. Osiris. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.